Hey there, I'm Yolanda. Welcome to She Goat, the podcast that celebrates women in sports on and off the court. Today's guest is a 21-year-old French, Swiss, and American woman. Her sport is rowing, and she's also practically a pro at packing her bags. She had some action in her life because she moved 14 times and changed school 17 times. Her name is Celia Dupré, and she started rowing when she was just 11. Fast forward, she's now rocking it as a part of the national rowing team for Switzerland. And she's also got that student-athlete hustle down at Stanford University. I'm pretty curious to know more about the world of rowing um, because it's a sport that doesn't always get the spotlight it deserves. And of course, I'm also very interested in knowing what it's like to be a college athlete and handling all that pressure. Welcome, Celia Dupré. Celia, I gave you a little intro, but why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your journey? I'm 21 years old. Um, I'm French. My father is French. My mother's American, so I was born in the United States. Um, I lived there for 14 years. I've moved um, 14 times in our life, and I've changed school 17 times. I'm also Swiss. I represent Switzerland um, in the Swiss national rowing team. I have been dreaming of the Olympics for the last many years. Um, I've been rowing for 11 years now, and I study at Stanford University. I'm very intrigued by the fact that you moved so many times. I, I changed a few countries as well, and I love, you know, challenge myself and always yeah. start from the scratch. Uh, why did you move so many times? So because my dad's French, my mom wanted to go back to Europe. So at one point we lived in Luxembourg. Um, we moved a few times for my dad's job. Also, I was homeschooled for until 14, until I moved to Switzerland. Um, and so I changed schools regularly as well as uh, cities. Um, most of it happened within the United States. Um, I moved to France at one point and then to Luxembourg and then around Switzerland um so yeah that's... I guess you're asked this question maybe many times but you feel more French or Swiss or American so I always thought that like home was the United States because that's where I was born and that's where I thought I was you know American um and only American uh I don't I don't feel super connected to my French side just because I haven't lived there as much. Like I always belonged in the United States when I was there, but recently when I've gone back to study, I noticed that my place is Switzerland. Um and that yeah, I think I've I've found home here and I'm I'm glad I've had that realization. It's yeah. When did you start throwing? You were very young, right? So I was uh, 11. I started as a coxswain, so the person who steers the boat um, for my mom's uh, team. And then I discovered rowing uh, as a junior. And um, I hated it the first week because everyone knew how to row and I didn't know what was going on. And my mom said, no, just do it a little longer. If you don't like it, you can stop. And I've never stopped since then. It's a very harsh sport, right? There is a lot of dedication. I see my brother is not professional, but all this dedication, all these hours. It takes a lot of dedication. Um, I'm highly competitive when it comes to everything. So I think that is something that's very specific to my mindset. Um, it takes a lot of, you have to enjoy the process because there's a it's a big process. 
what's sad is that rowing is a sport that's a little overlooked. Um, we don't have a lot of um, viewership or uh, support, I'd say, outside of the rowing community itself. It's it's a commitment that kind of has to come from within. It has to be a personal want to succeed, to to love what you are doing, to enjoy the sport and each each part of it. Yeah, you have to be also a little bit obsessed with the sport and with the with the feeling, as you said, enjoy the process and really be there. How many hours of practice do you have now at Stanford? And how is your day structured? Because of course you have classes. So the college rowing um, is very structured with a certain amount of hours per week. Um, there are certain rules that are put into practice so that we can't be overtrained. So we have a training. We wake up at 5.20 in the morning and we go on the water at 6, 6.30. And then um, we come after about a two hour row, we come back to campus around 9.15. We have breakfast, go right to class. Sometimes classes start at 9.30, so it's really tight. Um, and then we have class all the way within the afternoon. It depends on the day. And then at four or five o'clock, we have either a weight session or an erg session on the rowing machine. Um, and so that's basically every day. On weekends, it's just a row and We'd either get, we'd get one day off a week. I have so much respect towards this type of commitment and this type of dedication. And, you know, I'm not even sure there is a perfect way to bring this up. And I don't know if there is a right way to ask this question, but I will try. Uh, let's talk about the mental health of college athletes. A recent study found that one in four college athletes deal with depression and just last year, Katie Mayer was the goalkeeper for the Stanford University's women's soccer team, died of suicide. And this is a breaking moment, really shed a light on how much pressure student athletes might face. And the stress to be perfect and this drug of expectation, the drug to perform. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? by the day-to-day -day routine? Have you ever felt like the daily grind and all that competition just got too much? Or you know when to ask for help? So personally, coming from a Swiss national team background, um, the support that we have at Stanford is, is immense and very, very large. I think there's always places that can be... Um, made better a little more prominent because of for example what happened to Katie Meyer I think that just there's a flaw there that needs to be addressed um I think that students are also very good at speaking up there's a lot of very very high achieving smart people who are very dedicated to their sport who speak up for the entirety of the student athletes there are amazing amount of staff who are always there to help us and that's something that I'd never personally had before in the Swiss team um so speaking up was probably the hardest part get getting the help itself and knowing okay I think now I actually need help I actually need to talk about something um personally that was yeah that was the ch most challenging part was was knowing when I personally didn't struggle 
very much with the pressure between academics and athletics, just because I was coming from a training program that was harder than the one at Stanford. And um, I was really excited to be at Stanford. So the academics were no problem. I mean, it was hard, but I was very motivated to to learn. Well, um, thank you for opening up about something as crucial as athlete mental health and it's definitely a topic that deserves our attention and for sure there is a lot more to discuss and I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all approach but let's try to switch gears a bit I know it's hard but let's try to hand on a lighter note and let's dive into some happier memories I'd love to hear about some of your favorite moments from your time as a freshman? I've noticed it the most when I've come back here. At first, I struggled a lot because there's always so many people around. There's always people there. I mean, I shared a room with another girl, so there was always somebody around me in my life. And I think I struggled the most with finding my own space, knowing when, okay, I can say no to certain parties or activities or group meetings or I don't know what lunches. Um, and then when I came back to Switzerland, I noticed that having such a big team in the U.S. brought me a lot of athletic maturity, which was really refreshing. I, I didn't see it happen. But when I came back, I was like, oh, I feel like I have better tools to handle the obstacles I have now in a smaller team. And what's your relationship with the other person on the boat like do you support each other are you also friends or do you have any specific pre-competition routine anything that you do amazing is this team of 45 46 girls we all have one goal is to win all of us together want to achieve and want to win and it takes every single person even though only a few of those 46 might end up racing. It's all of us pushing each other that ends up making us strong. So of course there's competition, but it's always very respectful. Lots and lots of emotion because we are in such such a, an amount of exertion and, and I guess pain, but it's not, it's not negative. <laughs> it's not negative pain. It's, it's something we enjoy. And um, before a race, we do have one ritual that we... Um, we started doing this year in the eight, which was three breaths. Uh, of course, we have the whole warm up and we have, uh, you know, our usual rowing warm up techniques, but that kind of changes within the team. But this year in the boat I was sitting in, we had three breaths. So the coxswain would call each breath and tell us, okay, inhale, hold it for a second and exhale at the start line of each race. It was very cool. I love this. And it reminds me of Coach Phil Jackson. He coached Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the late 80s, early 90s. And what you just said reminds me of his book, Eleven Rings, where he speaks about his leadership style and coaching practice. That's a mix of meditation, Buddhism and other spiritual traditions. And is very much focused on being mindful and Zen. And so... Phil Jackson, he always uh, encouraged his players to practice meditation, even if it's only for a few minutes before or after practice, because it is very beneficial for their game. And in the book, he describes this one breath, one mind meditation. 
and it's very interesting and because breathing together with the team it becomes a sort of bonding activity and when players meditate together each breathing in and out together it helps cultivate a sort of group consciousness and this feeling of interconnection with each other and it gives the experience of what it's like to be in unison and in sync. Definitely. What's interesting is rowing is the only team sport that where we don't see each other's faces. We only see each other's backs. So it's a very, not quiet because it's loud, but it's it's a lonely sport. I'd say, you know, you don't see the necessarily the emotion of the other person. You just see their backs and the next person does. And so, yeah, you have to tune out every other noise that's around you, all the other boats. And that starts on land before getting into the boat as well. It's focus in a tunnel. Um, one of my coaches uses the the metaphor, the analogy of a horse on a racetrack with the flippers and that's the kind of horse you that's the kind of mentality and view you need to have before a race is you know it's it's your job to do as best as you can in the moment and I think that's really important some people get really nervous before races and are like oh my gosh what if I don't perform like I need to but I think something that's really important to hold on to is that you are as prepared as you can be in that moment and if you trust that you are going to do your best no matter what because that is how you have t- done every single stroke, then you will succeed and you will give your 100%. You know, is in practice many, many, many times. It's just a matter about you being present and really giving giving your best. So you yeah. come across as someone super confident. I was wondering, is it something that you build or is it something that came like naturally? Are you Do you make efforts in this and how your confidence is also reflected in your relationship with the people in the Swiss team and in the Stanford team? I actually only found out recently that actually when I arrived at Stanford is when I um, realized that I came across as confident. I had never realized that I had never done that on purpose. Um, But people were just like, no, it just seems like you got your your stuff together. You know, it seems like you know what you're doing, you know what you want. Um, But honestly, I'm more of a, you know, day to day, give it your all every single day for the next day, you know, just but I also... I think that comes across, especially because I'm I'm super competitive in everything I do. And I'm very stubborn, very, very stubborn. I think this is something I've worked on. And this is what I noticed when I came back to Switzerland, something that the whole Swiss Stanford group had helped me um, kind of understand was that not everything has to be a competition, that we can work together. I mean, I knew we could work together, but I had always kind of thought, no, you know, the way I work is best, you know, but that is something I've I've noticed and consciously worked on. Um, so I think more the negative side of being confident has hit me in the face more recently. Um, but I also think that that's what makes me, you know, a good athlete. I yeah. What I see, what I see that champions and athletes have in common is this obsession with win. So really being obsessed with the with the competitions, the healthy competition, respect for the for the other for the other team, but really this obsession and really wanted to win and give it all dedication. So yeah, you come across as a leader, very confident. And who is your role model? I feel like 
more recently I've looked up to athletes in the past I've always been like no no one can compare to my story I can't look up to someone because we anyways have such different life stories life paths different goals we've gone through different things so in the team in the USA there were two girls who are really inspiring I think the way that they brought cheerfulness to the team um and their energy was just super positive and the way they spoke um always was was just the right way it was maybe they were giving some advice but it was always positive and you never took it the wrong way um yeah and they've gone on to um they're they're competing for their national teams as well uh in their respective countries um so i'd say caitlin gildersleeve who is a U.S. Um, scholar, single scholar at the, she's going to the world champ, under 23 world championships this year in the single. And then um, Lucy Black, who is a Canadian um, rower. She just has an energy that it's intoxicating. <laughs> I love it. I want to meet them. Yeah. So you have an upcoming, uh, what, what's the, the, the next competition that you have? So right now I'm at the World Cup, um, the third and final World Cup. Um, it happens to be in Switzerland. The third one happens to always be in Switzerland every year. Um, and it's one of the best rowing courses in the world. So it's really exciting. <laughs> so I'm sending you, uh, you don't need it, but good luck. And it was really a pleasure to talk to you, to meet you. You have a very contagious, great energy. And Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it, folks, with a great conversation with Celia from rowing to college life. We explored a little bit of her journey and it just goes to show that there is so much more to discover under the surface of every athlete's life. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, don't forget to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And of course, as always, share the love, tell your friends all about it. And until next time... Stay curious, stay awesome, and keep embracing those amazing stories that make our world so damn interesting. See you in the next episode.